0: Welcome back to another episode of Sales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help those who sell for a living. And I am joined, I believe this is a first, by a doctor, Dr. Brian Glibkowski. We're going to call him Dr. G for the rest of the day. I think that kind of sounds fun. I like the ring of that. Dr. Brian Glibkowski, welcome to the show.
1: Scott, thank you for having me. Uh, Very excited to join
0: you today. Well, and it's great to have uh, an outside perspective on this. And, and the, the subject matter for the, today is going to be so much fun, I think, because you've written a book about questioning and who needs questioning skills more than sales reps, right? So I think our sales reps and sales leaders that listen to this are going to get a lot of value out of looking at the psychological or the academic side of questioning. And, and I know you've got a new book and we're going to get to all of that. But first, Dr. G., We need to talk about that cold, frosty, and refreshing beverage in front of you.
1: I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) I I have a triple Carmelite in front of me. And a little little story about this beer, and actually segue into my book. So I've I've been uh, really uh, frothing about talking about this. (laughs) If you think about uh, beers, there's actually a taxonomy of beers, if you believe it or not. Okay. Every beer in the world is either a lager or an ale. Mm-hmm. That could be further divided into you know, 10 beer types below that. And you may say to yourself, well, why do I need a beer taxonomy? Well, I'm one of those people that does. I, I order beers. I'll, uh, I used to sip them and then say, I don't like this and send them back. I was that awful person. Ooh. Yeah. And with beers, you have a taxonomy. You know if you like a lager or an ale. You know yeah. your lane. Yep. In a similar way, we have a taxonomy of questions. You know, the six WH questions. Yeah. Why, what, how, when, where, who. We all know this going back to kindergarten. Sure. And the thing that stands out is there is no taxonomy of answers. If you Googled right now a taxonomy of answers, how many answer types are there? Yeah. You're not going to find anything. Infinity, is it? Yeah. (laughs) Go out, Scott. It's infinity, right? I mean, it's just so many different variations. Yeah, it's infinity. Mm. But what we learn from taxonomies is the 10 taxonomies of beer help help me navigate my bar order. Porter's five forces help me navigate the boardroom of strategy. SWAT, you yep. know, weaknesses, is opportunities, threats. So having a structure will help us provide better answers, better sales answers.
0: I gotcha. That makes a ton of sense. Well, I have selected, and I, and I don't do this a lot because the, the, the name of the show is Sales with Aslan, where we emphasize the ales. So I'm typically got an ale, but today I've chosen a lager because I'm a big Sam Adams fan. It's from this part of the country. I'm back in the Northeast after a few months down South. And I've chosen today Samuel Adams Wicked Easy Light and Hazy Lager. And a little bit about this. I know you, you didn't say this, but I did look up your beer. You, you have 16 international business units uh, attributable to your, to your beer. And I think your alcohol by volume is up over 8.5%. So you be careful today. That's, this could be a, a really short podcast if you start sleeping on me. Um, mine has got a, a 4.7% ABV and an IBU of 12. And I'm told by our listeners that anything under 25 is not too hoppy. So I think you and I are going to both enjoy these today. So cheers. Cheers. All right. Now let's get into the meat of the program here. Let's, first of all, a little bit more about Dr. G. Uh,
1: what? Tell us about your pedigree. What's your background? Sure. I'll give you the thumbnail sketch. I'm yeah. a college professor. I'm a CEO of a company called Sampler Science that focuses mm-hmm. on commercializing my research. And most importantly today, I'm talking about my book, Answer Intelligence, Raise Your AQ, that's coming out in April uh, with Emerald Publishing. My, as an academic, I research questions and answers. I've published some, some research articles on questions, and really today we're focusing on the answer side of it. I published research on that. Yeah. And can, I, can I tell you a little bit about that research, Scott?
0: Yeah, please do. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, so as I said before, there was no... Taxonomy of answers. So, if you're yeah. in a selling environment and you're looking to close the deal, which types of answers are you going to provide to close that deal? Yeah. So, that's a little teaser for where we're going to go with this, but I wanted to understand how answers are provided. Yeah. So, I decided to do some research with some colleagues with the top golf instructors in the world, as rated by Golf Digest and Golf Magazine. Interesting. And you may be asking why golf instructors.
0: Well, I, I can answer for the sales reps out there who we all have to play golf to be sales reps, we're, but most of us have to be decent. I, there was at, at some point in time, some huge percentage of, of sales deals were occurring on the golf course. Now, COVID may have changed those, those rules, but I think people may be very interested in how you came up with this book idea on a golf course. Let's, let's hear that.
1: Yeah. I must say sales, sales reps, sales executives and executives generally love golf. So that was sort of an allure. They would like this topic, but absolutely. in addition to that, there were two reasons from a research standpoint. One, uh, we interviewed experts, mm-hmm. those in the upper half of the 99th percentile of their profession. There's over 25,000 golf instructors in the U S alone. So whenever you study experts, you're going to understand really best practices. Um, second, We wanted to um, study golf instructors because they provide answers to a wide range of clients. The individuals we interviewed included those that taught the touring pros on TV to weekend warriors to a young son or daughter picking up the sticks for the first time. So there was no restriction of range. So imagine if you're listening to this podcast and you're a sales rep, what this means is what we learned about how they provided answers you can use with your next client that is, um, you know, less sophisticated than you are. You can use it with a client that's just as sophisticated. You can do it with someone that's less motivated. And we came up with, um, six answer types that you can use on your next conversation. And and I'll just say these six Scott and I'll, 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 I'll hand it back to you. Yeah. So there's six answers, theory, concept, uh, theory is cause and effect, understanding how the world works. You may be talking with your client, you know, cause and effect, what's going to lead to the business outcomes they care about. Concepts, key concepts related to your product. You know, how do you define reliability if your product is based on reliability? If It's about innovation. What does that really mean? Yep. As we know when we're talking to clients, you may say one word and the client, here's something else. Yep. And we have story and metaphor. We all understand stories. Uh, metaphors are comparisons and Believe it or not, metaphors are like the low hanging fruit. They're easy for us to say, and you can get them off the internet, and sometimes we don't use those as much as we should in a sales context. And the final two answers are procedures and actions. So, procedures are the steps, actions are uh, specific behaviors that you can uh, do or share with others. And um, in a sales context, procedures and actions, of course, is you know, how you're engaging with the client, but they could be the features and functions related to your product. Mm-hmm. And so these six answers uh, are what the golf instructors use to share information with their clients. Like if they're talking about what the game of golf is, they may come up with a, a, a definition of concentration or maybe a metaphor that helps them on a key shot. So sales reps are going to be using these answers to, to respond to important client questions. Really interesting, really, and it, and we, you know we talk a lot about and I love the one,
0: especially metaphors and stories, because you know at Aslam, we talk a lot about the use of word pictures and success stories um, as a, as a methodology to engage both sides of the brain and I know you and I can get into the, the, the brain function here because you 've got a logical side and you 've got an emotional side, and very few decisions in life are made without both being engaged, whether you 're buying a car. Uh, and you, you're, you're trying to justify the BMW, but the emotional side of you is so involved in that. But if you were making a purely intellectual decision, you'd buy a Honda or a Toyota, right? I mean, so, so we get into that a lot. I, I, I am so curious to get in to sort of the application, I guess, of, of how this all works together. So, so start to take us into, you know, away from, uh, not away from, but into that theoretical side or the psycho- psychological or academic side of, of this question and answer with our clients.
1: Yeah. So basically we have a nice visual that you could probably link to from your website, raise Yep, a circle that shows the six answers organized around a circle. And then there's questions that interface with the different answers. Mm -hmm. So what we have is a mapping between questions and answers. So for example, if the client asks, you know, what is your product? You can provide a concept or metaphor. Mm -hmm. Why should I buy from you? You can provide a theory or story. You know how do we work with you? You can explain a procedure in action, so it gives you sort of a mapping and understanding of which answers are most appropriate given the question. So let me let me pause there to see if you have a, a follow up on that, uh, Scott.
0: No, it's really good, and I'm looking at the visual. It's probably hard for our audio audience to to see this, so I will link this. Um, in In the uh, LinkedIn post, but like for example, the when and the where corresponds interestingly to procedure and action, so those were the the last two you named because those are more into what what would we call that part of the of the sales pipeline. It would be toward you know, we're getting into action, We're getting into that you know what are the next steps section of the program, if you will, right?
1: Yeah, actually, yeah, actually Scott, the the, the visual here is the when and where is is underneath the entire circle, all the answers. Yep. So when and where basically means every answer you provide as a sales rep, all six mm-hmm. have to reflect the local context. And we know that. Yep. So if you're, if you're selling to a client with a case study, you could say that's basically a story. You know, if you're selling to a bank, it's got to be a bank case study. If you're selling yep. to a pharma company, it's got to be pharma. So it's really you know, understanding that all these answers exist within a context, when and where.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes a ton of sense. Okay, well let let's keep going. So so we have we have our our what is it six W one H questions. We have six types of thanks to you six types of answers that could be coming. Where do we where do we go next? Take us to the next step.
1: Well, I think we could uh, maybe jump into some applications. Okay. You know, if, and also we have a, a book chapter sales AQ. Uh, within the book, co-written by myself and an um, individual from Salesforce, uh, Pre-Sales Collective, and Gong. So we have a lot of uh, you know, sales uh, heavyweights uh, hang, weighing in on this. Yep. Let me give you an application just to start us off. Sounds good. So let's talk about value proposition. So when you, you have a term like value proposition, it's sort of vacuous. And what does that mean? Well, what I'm going to say in our framework is when you have a value proposition, you need to be able to respond to all questions and provide all answers. So I've done some exercises with organizations where they'll discuss their value proposition and we go around our answer wheel and we'll say, okay, great. Relate that to a story. Relate that to a theory, a metaphor, concept, procedure, action. And it's a really simple exercise to begin thinking about how we answer you know, in an effective way. And let me give you one example to follow up on this. I was working with a um, a HR organization, uh, outsourced uh, professional service firm that provided very sophisticated sourcing solutions for the global 50 corporations. Mm -hmm. The problem was their product was so complicated, their buyers didn't understand it. So we developed with them a portfolio of metaphors to unlock these difficult to understand concepts in a way the buyer could understand. And this was only made possible because we were systematically looking at all the answers that could be provided. Very interesting. We um, Back in
0: an earlier part of my career, I worked for a software company that had a very hard time. Not The seasoned veterans didn't have a hard time, but the, the rookies had a hard time getting meetings because we didn't have some of those statistics, we didn't have some of those top of the, you know, tip of the tongue stories. So they developed a book, which you'll love this title, Ho-Hum Crashers. (laughs) (laughs) They, you know, when, when the buyer's on the other end of the phone going, oh, ho-hum, you know, this is boring. You have a ho-hum crasher to to bring it. So similar, similar concept to breaking down those walls that that, uh, sales reps inevitably can create by, uh, by not being super well-prepared. Well, So that so so from a value proposition standpoint, anything else on that before we keep moving?
1: Maybe just give one other application. So you're listening to this podcast. You know why do you care about this framework? Yeah, got a lot of interest, uh, particularly with COVID and in virtualization. And as we all know, uh, prior to COVID, you know we're we're in the office selling in the client's office selling, and now it's all virtual. Where we did some work with a, a global professional service firm. And what they experienced was a downtick in selling. Hmm. So their consulting projects are going great virtually, but the problem is they don't have water cooler conversations. Yeah. And so the, the you know the leads aren't coming in. And if you're not a skilled conversationalist, it becomes more challenging. So in times like this, when we're, we're we're forced to confront new ways of communicating, a framework like answer intelligence can help us rethink the basics. What are the questions? What are the answers? How do we organize our conversations to be most effective? And that's a little bit of a window into how you know we're engaging in this professional service firm. But I think it, it applies to other contexts as well. Well, and I love
0: that part because I think that furthers our you know overlap in our mission. Um, you know, us as a training company, you as a research, and and uh, both of us sort of in the development of of people, sales reps, and so on. Um, but this idea of what we kind of call conversational discovery over here. Um, this idea of, of you know, uh, conversations can't be or, or questions can't be all self-serving. They shouldn't be. If you're truly doing your job as a sales rep, you actually care more about the results from your client's perspective than, the, you know, the commission check you'll receive if things go well. Um, and conversational discovery in our estimation means it can't be a rapid fire machine gun approach. And I know you've done some research, I think, with Gong that sort of says that that's the case, right? Tell us a little bit about that research.
1: Yeah, so we, we took um, Gong's data. They've analyzed millions of sales calls and we further put their data through the lens of questions and answers and wanted to understand conversations over the sales uh, process. And by the way, before I, a short digression, when we think of communication, we have sort of a radical but simple view of it. Communication is simply a question and answer exchange. Everything else is noise. Okay. So going back to Gong, you know, look at the sales funnel, sales funnel from the top of the funnel awareness, then to education, um, then to decision. Each of those points has different question and answer exchange. And going back to your point about conversational, um, uh, you know, approaches, Mm -hmm. you look at the top of the sales funnel, and Gong's um, data has shown that sales reps that ask, uh, you know, too many questions in the front end, they tend to lose. Yeah. And this is probably because of very mechanical approaches to questions. Additionally, what they found is that when answers and questions are balanced throughout the, the sales funnel, uh, there tends to be higher win rates. So this is real conversation. And from our standpoint, this this comes back to the simple premise that conversations are questions and answers. And you have to think about, at every turn, your question or your answer. And I'll give you another thing to think about. Imagine a two-by-two matrix. You have the buyer on the horizontal axis, the seller uh, on the vertical axis. Each person can either ask a question or an answer. And so you have to think through each move. You know sometimes it's best to ask a question, sometimes an answer. If, if if a question's coming at you, sometimes you respond with an answer, sometimes with a question. And let me let me make this very concrete. You know, too, I think oftentimes with sales, there's a focus on question methodologies, which makes a lot of sense. But we have to understand the answer side of the equation. So with Gong's data, what they found is with appointment setting, if you ask Questions in the front end, you know, you're cold calling, you're going yep. to lose because no one wants to answer those questions. What you have to provide is an answer in our framework that will stimulate the interest in the buyer, a question. An implicit question says, I want to know more to get that next appointment. So in our framework, that could be you know, a very compact metaphor right you have limited time can you can you provide a compact metaphor or maybe a procedure or an action a key feature of the product something an answer that will stimulate a question of the other party so all of this gets back to when we're thinking about conversations yes it's questions but it's also answers
0: well and it's interesting because we talk about the concept of an other centered position statement especially in that in that beginning part of the relationship and and I love I love the overlap here with the studying you've done um because you know uh, we we talk about you know taking the other the, the sort of what's on the buyer's whiteboard and trying to 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 come up with a concept or something that's disturbing them right we deliver a disruptive truth something that will create a gap in their understanding before we've asked any kind of question or maybe the only question we might ask is are you having that same problem that everybody else in your industry is having, or, you know, that the the guy across the street is having, right? So make a connection before we start firing away at the specifics of the, of the questions that might be uh, important to this particular engagement, metaphor, story, other, other ways to get their brain working uh, and, and tune out that noise that's that, you know, that was going on when they, when they got your call or got your email, because they certainly weren't waiting
1: around for us to call them, I'm sure. Right. So you know, S- Scott, I wonder if I could jump in there and, yeah, please. and just sort of introduce, you know, for your audience, um, you know, in the book, we talk about five high AQ practices yeah. we uncovered working with these expert golf instructors. You know, one of them is provide compliments. Mm-hmm. So these answers are organized around a circle. So what compliments do is they, they, they reinforce an answer you may hear. So, for example, and th- this relates to your point about making a connection. Imagine if the buyer tells you a story about their pain. You know, you could simply look at them and say, oh, yeah, I get it, yeah. right? That doesn't do anything. But imagine how powerful it would be if you provided a complimentary answer. In our circle, story is next to metaphor. Now, if you provided a metaphor that triangulated with that story, the buyer's going to say, wow, they really got me. Or you take that story and explain it in terms of the cause and effect logic, the theory or strategy associated with the business. Now you're having a sophisticated conversation. So that's an example of what we call complementary answers. It's a powerful tool to um, you know, create alignment and to um, you know, move a, a conversation forward using answers.
0: Well, and it ties so well into like, we, we talk so much and I know you, you, you know this and, and think about this too, but so much of, you know, why a client either chooses to continue a conversation with a sales rep or not is around our ability as sales reps to listen, right? And when you take the example you just gave, you have just proven how well you're listening by injecting something complimentary into that conversation that proves A, I heard you and B, I, I have something of value, I think, to add to that. And then, of course, we have the, the concept of check your six, which simply means make sure that was true. Make sure you look back and they're still tracking with you. Um, so I, I just love how, how much overlap and, uh, and complementary, um, um, you know, of the psychology of this is, is, is in both our program and what you've researched. It, it's yeah. validating for me, actually, Dr.
1: J. Yeah, let me, let me <laughs> amplify, amplify that, uh, yeah. you know, just a little bit on um, listening. So also with the Gong data, yeah. you know, the awareness phase of the funnel at the top, you have to listen. So there is more listening that occurs in our framework. That's the answers they're providing by the buyer and the seller is listening oftentimes for asking the right questions, right? And, but then this flips as you move to the decision point, the, um, the seller is typically providing more answers, yeah, right? Um, But, but, you know, it's all about thinking through questions and answers and they're interlinked. I'll give you, you know, one, one thought experiment here is you cannot ask a question unless it starts with an answer. You know, we only ask questions because our answers are immature. We, we need a, something better answer. Yeah. So everything in a way starts with answers. And the reason I bring that up is imagine if you're thinking about, you know, planning your next uh, call or thinking through engaging with a client you want to think about what answers they have and work backward for the type of questions you want to ask to help move them along.
0: Yeah. No, that's really good. That's really good. Well, I know we've only got a few minutes left with you and I want to make sure we 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 cover uh a last another a couple things because there was an important piece of this um, that has a lot to do with with our sales reps and how we can apply this across all the different aspects of our, of, our, of our jobs, both as leaders and sales reps. So let's go into the final kind of section here and talk a little bit about AQ as an important part of any conversation. And let's, let's lay out a couple illustrations for them, uh, whether it's sales or the presentation piece, but take us through those, those four or five blocks that you've got.
1: The way we look at this is these six answers can be applied to any conversation. Yeah. So there's leadership AQ. When you provide mm-hmm. answers, you provide influence right there's training aq whenever you're in a training you want to ask and answer the the questions for the trainees uh you know presentations are just another example of of conversations you're going to have with someone and thinking through your moves you know we've done audits of like slide decks or demos thinking about the questions and answers and how they're sequenced Uh, interviews i'll just touch on that briefly done a lot of work with interviews Um, if you think about it, you, you, you know, when you're preparing for an interview, you might think about your number one soft skill or, you know, what you do really well. Applying AQ, you want to start by having six answers identified for your number one soft skill. Can you provide six answers? Then it's about thinking through the high AQ practices and be able to answer those questions most effectively. But I will say this, you know, just as a a tidbit for your audience. Um, uh, you know, for our book, uh, Mike Sankey, retired uh, Dow Thirty uh, USA CFO, mm-hmm. said about you know fifty sixty percent of the value is AQ of AQ is just knowing six answers. Yeah. And, you know, when you know, leave the leave the audience with this, you know, if related to value proposition how your company sells. If you can concisely communicate all six answers, you're you're ahead of the game.
0: Wow, that's so good. I mean, there's so much, uh, so much to be consumed here. Hard to fit it all into a 30-minute podcast, but I think we did a decent job of, of wetting the whistle. Uh, so tell me, Dr. G, how can people get the book? When's it going to be available? And um, you have, I think we have a little surprise uh, opportunity for people as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, the, the book, uh, it will be available uh, mid-April. We have a book launch on April 9th and April 12th. And a, a special offer for um, your podcast uh, listeners, uh, we can offer you know 20% off a discount code. So I, you've been gracious enough to make that available to your audience. So we really appreciate that.
0: Happy to do it. And we will uh, we will put that in the LinkedIn post. You'll be able to uh, click over and uh, it's not on Amazon. Um, you're going to have to go to the link that we give you and that's where the uh, the discount will be applied. Uh, but uh, you certainly want to get this book and read the chapter on sales for sure. Read the whole book, but the one on sales would be uh, very pertinent to everybody listening to this podcast since it is called Sales with Aslan, where we emphasize the Ales, right? <laughs>
1: That's perfect. And yeah. one quick clarification, the sure. book is on Amazon, but the, the discount code is from our publisher, Emerald Publishing. So if you want the discount, you have to order from their, their website.
0: Excellent. Thank you for clarifying. So you could buy it anywhere you buy books, but if you want the 20% off, go to the link, right? Uh, yeah. Any other pearls of wisdom, Dr. G, before we uh, turn our group loose on the uh, the new information? I think we've covered everything. It's time to finish, finish the beer, I think. Finish the beer. And we look forward to continuing our work with you. This has been a lot of fun. Hopefully, you guys out there got a lot of value out of kind of combining the theoretical, the psychological, even the academic side of questioning and answering with what we deal with as sales professionals and sales leaders all day long. If you like the podcast, please share it with your friends, download it, subscribe to it, and uh, get it to as many people as we can. We do this for you. And obviously, it's how we, uh, we give back a little bit. We've enjoyed it and we'll see you next week on another episode of Ales with Aslan.